Hello, everybody. This is Captain Katz. And we are Katz. All right, and welcome back to the show. Okay, so last week we talked about the worst of 2020. This week we're going to be talking about the best of 2020. Yay. And um, there's a lot to talk about, about 2020. So pretty much it's like this. Even though we saw very horrible, nasty things that happen within so many things in, in the pop culture, in pop culture itself, you know, with what happened with anime, gaming, comics, my God. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, cinema, television, cartoons, and so on and so forth. There have been some interesting things that came out of it and some good things that came out of it. Uh, so let's just take, we're going to take this uh, step by step in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so gaming. Even though the new systems are coming, you know, the new systems are coming out and stuff like that, and been numerous reports of. Uh, scalping and the good old the old school switcheroo yeah expecting a system you get a literal brick yeah um and just recently there's been reports now saying that call of duty for the ps5 has been bricking ps5s for some unknown reason it the good if you're wondering where i'm coming from with this whole this whole thing well it's because you don't need to rush yourself to get a new system they're still working out kinks on the new systems. There's still problems on that. So your PS4, your Xbox, Five. Uh, Xbox One, you know, they're still worth it. They're still making games for it and, and whatnot. They're not going to discontinue it sometime soon or anything like that. Not only that, too. Well, normally they do it in like a span of two to five years. Like in between there, they'll announce like, okay, we're going to stop production. Well, yeah, but not only that, but also if you take a look at, for example, the Nintendo Switch had a phenomenal year. Nintendo had a phenomenal year um, during uh, the whole pandemic and everything because they literally were sold out. The Switches were sold out. More people were getting back into gaming. Um, even PS4s and, and Xbox Ones were being almost sold out as well because people um, said that, okay, well, since we can't go out and do this and that and everything like we usually do, we have to find some form of entertainment. There we go. Yeah. Gaming. And then not only that, but also another great thing too that came out of gaming, a lot of classic series are coming back either in forms of reboots, new sequels, remakes. Like, for example, excuse me, folks, um, you know, like, for example, um, Tony Hawk, Pro Skater, 1 and 2. Yeah, that was a surprise. Uh, not only that surprised everybody, it set the bar of what a remake game should be. You know, what Resident Evil 2 Remake did? No, Tony Hawk just like, okay, all right, I'll raise it and then some more. You know, and it was, and it's a phenomenal game, really phenomenal game. Then you have like Panzer Dragoon, um, the Yakuza series coming back with uh, Zero and One and Two. You have the Bayonetta tenth year anniversary one, that which is really great. Devil May Cry Three, um, you know, Patapon Two, so on and so forth. A lot of great games, a lot of great game series are making a comeback. You know, and. Who's to say that in 2021, there's going to be more classic games or more classic series? Like Streets of Rage 4. No one wasn't expecting Streets of Rage 4 to come out. And it came out in a banger. <laughs> you know, great game. Phenomenal soundtrack. You know. You saw uh, Kahiro, uh, Kazuhiro came back to do it. No, right. A lot of the best composers back in the, in the 16-bit era came and did this mm. music. So the music was great. Um... 
not only that, but also too, um, it shows now 2020 showed that there's a little bit of something for everyone in gaming. Oh yeah, and don't forget the, uh, um, I guess there's a sub war going on. Um, let me see, uh, the mini console war. I wanted to say that I want to say that. Well, like a, well, that's because they're starting to up the you know the Sega Genesis Mini and then the 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 T16 Mini and then all of a sudden, um, like in my case, I'm waiting for the supposed SNK having a new console coming out. But even before that, you know, somehow they're they're coming out with the uh, MBSX. Mm-hmm. People are still on demand for that, and even though to a lesser degree, One Up Arcade, you know, they're busting out. New better machines, they're better machines, out better machines, better kids. Like I'll, I'll, I'll admit, um, they got a couple that I want, but I haven't really like jumped onto it and getting it. But they did announce them that they're planning on either the begin, uh, either this year or early next year. That's when they're going to start releasing their pinball machines, mm-hmm. and they look phenomenal. You know, even though that they're one hundred percent digital, I'm willing to invest in a pinball machine because. Look, I love playing pinball machines. They're really awesome. They're really good. You know, problem is, in order to get a certain a certain particular pinball machine, for example, like one of the pinball machines that I really want to own is uh, Circus Voltaire and Medieval Madness. If I want to get a working, a really good working table of Medieval Madness, that's going to send me back twelve thousand dollars. Oh yeah, and uh, what uh, last year's Comic Con they had the pinball room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw we saw a copy. Great, great, great game, including its um, reboot, I guess. If yeah. You will. Yeah, they're they're not cheap. Yeah, and then they're Cir- worth it, but they're just not cheap. Yeah, and then Circus Voltaire. You know, if I want a, a working condition, a, like a working a perfect working condition of Circus Voltaire, that's like at least twelve to fifteen. Or if I want to get like which 12, cons- or, or, yeah twelve fifteen hundred, or if I want to get like one of the best tables ever created, which was the Adams family one, um, that's at least fifteen to twenty. Two thousand dollars, or are you saying twenty thousand? It's got to be two thousand. No, almost twenty thousand. Like I said, they're. Physical pinball tables, like parts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like 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 I said, Medieval Madness is not cheap. Circus Voltaire is not cheap. Certain pinball machines, certain pinball tables are not cheap. So with Arcade One, even though it's all digital, um, they did they did do a really good job of of having that feel and that look and the authenticity of what a pinball machine would have. So hopefully um, they'll come out with it. Hopefully they come out with a with a Midway and Williams tables because the mid the mid the Midway and Williams tables had some of the best uh, pinball tables that were created. Bally so. had some good ones though. Bally did too. Bally did too, but Williams and uh, Midway had some really great ones. Um, and also um, a couple of Italian ones. Uh, Stern has really good tables too. Um, so, you know, I, I hope they do like a, a, a nice working, um, partnership with that. Uh, but speaking of the, of the, of the mini consoles and stuff like that, um, Sega did a really good job with their, uh, 
as of right now i've heard reviews of that of their astro city in japan really good and especially too with now rumors stating that they they might consider doing another mini console hopefully it could be a saturn or maybe a dreamcast fingers crossed um but it depends Mm-hmm. you know so um and also an, uh, an, another great thing too that, that that that's coming out in gaming is that now we're seeing now we're kind of seeing where gaming is heading to you know um we don't we don't need we, we might come to the point where it's just <coughs> we don't need physical copies of games anymore it well, looks like it's heading towards a digital route. Well, it is getting there, and that means we'll be relying more on our um, plastic cars and physical cash. And um, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're they're probably going to make a limited run of physical copies if you want them. Yeah. And those are going to start becoming collectors' items, turning into collectors' items. Yeah. So. Yeah, but other than that, I think it's positive. I think it's a positive way of looking at it. Um, I do have uh, some thoughts against it, but we're doing the best of so I will withhold them until next week. No, next year. No, no, next week. I'll no, I mean next. No, I'm just saying next year because we're we're doing this for 2020. I can't say nothing until. Don't worry. Like I said, guys. <laughs> like I said, next week you can voice your opinion on it. Okay. Um, so it's the end. That just okay. Um, another good thing too, I would say. Um, I lost train of thought. No, wait. <laughs> you just made me out of my train of thought. Um, yeah, another thing too, a lot more studios are coming. A lot more studios. There's a lot more indie studios trying to create some stuff and trying to create a lot of great things. Um, I, you know, and with, with G4 coming out, supposedly next year, uh, you know, the sky's the limit right now. So it looks like gaming's coming back in a positive way. Um, even though there was, uh, there was a bit of turmoil this year, but... Um, a lot of good things came out of gaming. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And plus two, AMD is right now just having a banger of a year when it comes to technology. They shocked the PC community. They shocked the PC world of developing a really great uh, set for a very low price. Looks like they're selling it at a loss, but they don't care because you're getting the same performance as you would with like... A, 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 the same chip at a at a like triple the price, and you're getting the same power for less like less the cost. So you know, good for them. You know, it, t- it took them a while, but it's good for them. They're, they're on top now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So moving on from um from gaming to comics. Comics has been very up and down. Comics has been uh, like anime itself. Let's just group these two for the price of one. Uh, comics and gaming has really anime. Well, comics and anime, yeah. Comics and anime has really been... Had an up and down year. You know? Um, but some... But like like all bad things, there's, there were some good things that came out of it this year. Uh, like, for example, in comics, we got introduced... Uh, DC, even though DC had a really horrible year. Yeah. Really bad. Um, they did introduce a love letter to Harley Quinn fans with uh, Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red phenomenal work really great work a lot of great wonderful storytellings it's just basically just one big love letter to 
um, fans of Harley Quinn, and you see like how each uh, uh, chapter was um, given its own uh, due diligence and everything like that. I think that was very wonderful. Not only that, but we have also were blessed to be introduced by Punchline. And she has been, like, since day one, caught everyone's eye, caught everyone's attention. Um, her first issue came out in like, uh, a week or so. Very great. She's just, she's like the anti-Carly Quinn. And if it wasn't for the pandemic, comic conventions, I think she would have been up there by, like, the most people cosplaying her so hopefully next year if things turn out right and everything that we're going to see a lot of her if, when the, you know when hopefully with with the conventions yeah if and when the conventions open we're going to be seeing a lot of punchline mm-hmm. especially the variants you know yeah of course um not only that but also we're seeing a lot more it looks like Comics is going also to an, a, a, a digital direction as well. Looks like they're going to be focusing more on releasing maybe less and less physical copies and more and more digital copies, you know, like on Comixology and stuff like that. Not a bad thing, um, even though they're still going to be having some uh, physical copies, uh, digital copies. Looks like it may or may not be the way to go, but, you know, as long as it works, you know. Yep. As long as long as, it, as long as there's comics to read and everything like that. Uh, not only that, we saw we saw like a lot of comic conventions. You know, took took the initiative and took the charge and decided to okay. Since we can't have a physical convention, let's have a virtual convention. A lot of virtual conventions happened. Some were good. Some weren't so good. Others were just. Eh. But all in all, um, regardless if they were good or bad, you know, we still got some releases of new new stuff going on out there. Well, e- even though it's uh, virtual, mm-hmm. um, but not only that, but it was just it was a great way for a lot of us fans who miss going to these said conventions, and also it was a new way to for people around the world to see what makes these conventions so special and why they're so beloved and you know why these why a lot of people head to these certain conventions you know from San Diego Comic Con to New York Comic Con Emerald City uh C2E2 um even conventions in Japan that that they couldn't have a physical one um had to postpone or some of them just decided you know what we're just going to do a digital one but we're going to do it this way they did great even in europe as well they did some uh virtual conventions as well you got to see a little bit of the world through these virtual conventions and you know what i was glad to see that and um i hope next year that a lot of these conventions that decide like if everything turns out well and be like okay we're gonna have a we're, we're you know we're gonna go back to you know back to work and do physical conventions i want them to have that virtual uh appearance as well because if people can't get a chance to say like for example new york comic-con 
or um, Dragon Con. You know, Dragon Con. Let's use Dragon Con for example because I loved how Dragon Con did it this year. Very great. Uh, one of the best that I saw this year. So say for example, Dragon Con. If I couldn't get a ticket to go to Dragon Con, I would love to see them have panels. That you know, like it, you know, even if if say if there's like certain panels they can't because of you know, uh, um, company restrictions and stuff like that, and policies and stuff like that, you know, and copyrights and everything like which I would understand. Yeah. But if there's other panels out there that's like you know, to show and interact and stuff like that, you know, I would love to see that. I would love to be there and see that online, and I can say you know, yeah, I couldn't go to Con- I couldn't go to Dragon Con this year. But I got to see some panels that I actually wanted to see. Well, the big takeaway is um, the accessibility of yes. these conventions. It's, yes. It's no longer exclusive. It's now, they're now, well, now they're forced accessible because even they have to. But hope, you know, like you said, you know, hopefully if everybody gets to go out and play again, mm-hmm. um, hopefully they'll keep that system, you know, even with the kinks or whatever, those work on it, they'll keep that system intact. Because mm-hmm. there's still going to be a lot of people who, you know, they move on from these conventions because of what's going on right now. Or because of, you know, life mm-hmm. besides what's going on right now. Right. They won't have, you know, the you know they might have, you know, the plane ticket ready. They already have their tickets for their next year's convention. But they don't have that extra money for to play or eat food or, or you know, a hotel right. to stay, you know, that stuff. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to do it. Right. So, um... It Hopefully, gives, it gives people more options. Well, no, well, not just more options. It gives, like I said, accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, any average Joe who's not able to attend to a certain convention, they can just, I don't know, a free, you know, membership or what have you, and then link into it. Or if it's you know free to the public, you know, just link into it, and uh, there you go. Yeah, if there's certain panels that are free to the public, you know, if it's like a certain show or certain comic panel or drawing panel or something like that or a Q&A panel, you know. The can... only negative of this accessibility is, you know, once they're live, you know, obviously a lot of people want to have, you know, these questions or what have you. Um, why not, you know, give the, the, the general audience a try? Yeah, see, that one that wouldn't be a bad idea. Well, obviously, idea. within reason, you, well, mean, of you, course, mean, you know, course. it's one question, you know, you're trying to get one question from the whole freaking world. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at least make some rules and guidelines, make it some type of a lottery system, you know, get some, you know, decent, good questions, intellectual questions out there if, if possible. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they get you on there, cool. Yeah. So that that would be something interesting as well. Not only that, but also um, possible interactivity with uh, people who can't make it. Yeah. Um, also, another good thing too this year that came out in comics was uh, I would say the rise of the indie comics. You know, Image like was the forefront, and IDW was was also there. But a lot of original comics a lot of indie comics kind of came up and took charge um when they needed to and they did a great job you know and and uh, a good example of that was the uh, this year's eisner's awards you know a lot of artists and writers and stories and content that came from um from that forefront really shined and you know really took the limelight you know even though if they didn't win there was like hey this is my 15 minutes of fame this is my moment in the sun you know people are going to see this what what i've worked on 
you know. And, and it has I, become that case. People are starting to notice those uh, indie comics and uh, authors and stuff with these great stories that probably would have never been heard of. Yeah. You know, um, a good example of, of that would be um, uh, the Marx Brothers. There was a wonderful Marx Brothers book that I literally bought because um, I didn't know what it was. I didn't even knew that there they there was the, the, there was a a, 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 a an, an unscripted a, a scripted film of the of the Marx Brothers that was never produced because it was too surrealist. And what year was it supposed to come out? It was supposed to come out right before Duck Soup. Mm, so we're talking about the nineteen at the height of their fame. No, oh, we're talking about the nineteen thirties. Yeah, yeah, they would they wouldn't be ready for that. Yeah. So what what this what this graphic novel was was basically how they would have done it. They brought that script to life. With the help of Harpo, Harpo's son, and um, some other people, who actually found a lot of the script buried or like kept away or something, or didn't even know what it was about, and just drew a wonderful, beautiful masterpiece. This this surrealist masterpiece of mundane, quick-witted, Marx joke-esque. Um, oh, masterpiece. Mean, mean, a bunch of, of never before heard Groucho-isms? Madness. Just sheer madness. Mark's madness. That's, that's that's the best way I can say it. But it was but it was wonderful. Not only that, but we also got to see um, other works of arts. Um, you know, from uh, Sarah Anderson. Uh, Sandra Anderson. Sarah Anderson. Yeah, Sarah Anderson. Uh, don't know who, if you guys don't know who she is. Uh, ever heard of Sarah Scribbles? Yeah, she came out with a book called Fangs. The most beautiful, minimalistic work that I've ever seen this year. And I think in a very long time. And it's beautiful. It's elegant. It's simple. Little to none dialogue. Pure beauty. If you haven't had a chance to read it or look it up, go look it up. Buy yourself a copy. It's really great. And and, and within all of this... There was one person that I think really stood out, and she literally made a name for herself this year. And I think next year she's going to be uh, making a name out of herself. And it's the Italian illustrator, writer, and artist um, Mirka Adolfo. Um, she had a, this year was her year. This year was her was her coming of coming out year. You know, she came out with Mercy, which was beautiful, um, unscared, finished her first volume, second volume just barely came out. She's working, she's doing the artwork for the Punchline comic series, which was wonderful. She did a beautiful artwork storytelling piece for the, for the Harley Quinn, black, white, and red. And with the announcement of the Sweet Papika uh, project, which is not only going to be a comic book or a graphic novel, but it's also going to be a series done on Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, and darlings to the world to her right now. She's, she, um, yeah, like right now she is on cloud nine, and next year I th- think that next year is going to be her year, and hopefully, um. 
I think the rest of the world can see that as well. Because she's done phenomenal work, great storytelling, and just, like I said, darling's the world to her right now. Mm-hmm. You know. And then uh, moving around from comics, comics well, 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 to anime. You know, anime, um, there were some great stories too, great things that came out of anime. Netflix, surprisingly, Netflix has actually found out how anime works. They actually had a good lineup this year of releasing anime. You know, from Baki, from the second from the second season of Baki, to BNA, Brand New Animal, um, the Ghost in the Shell uh, standalone complex series, which I honestly thought was going to suck, surprised the hell on me, which was really good. You know. And and moreover, they, they they were coming out with really good animes this year, you know. Mind you, they did they did had a couple of hiccups here and there, you know. Japan sings, very beautiful, horrible storytelling, you know. But but I think Netflix kind of has a really good grasp now of what um, anime, how how they should release animes and stuff like that. You know, Beastars that came out, um, Doro Doro Herero was also great. Um, and not only that too, besides Netflix, uh, Kyoto Animation made their grand return after what happened to them in 2019, mm. 2020, they just came back, they released, uh, the Violet Evergarden movie, which I heard was very beautiful and like a tearjerker, um, January, February, I think they're going to release the sequel, the second season of uh, Miss Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, which is being called Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid S, which that's going to be great. If you haven't seen the first one, go watch it. It is great. Um, a lot of great anime has been coming out now in the fall. Summer kind of had its, you know, summer has never been too kind for anime. Um, fall, you had Grand Kumai, the third season of Grand Kumai. Um, Dragon Quest, the reboot of uh, The Adventures of Die, is actually really good. They're moving in a little quick pace, but it's still good nevertheless. You know, you also have a lot of good other animes that are coming out left and right. Um, like Fly Me to the Moon, which is very interesting, very great. But the one anime that really stood out the most this year, and I honestly believe that it should be up there for uh anime of the year is keep your hands off uh in zuka um it was great it was beautiful it was original um it's the one about the concept art of animation How oh yeah that, yeah that was a really good one yeah. yes yes yeah. you know it's and, and you know they go into depth about you know what you need to do with uh you know, it's not always about the pretty lights. You got to go beyond that. Like, okay, what about this trash can? How does it fit into the background and everything? Yeah. And I really like the the ones episode where they were talking about sounds. Yeah. Because that was a good How segment. I like, like you know, what's this sound? Oh, it's, oh, it's rain. Oh, it's just one part of rain. No, there's different volumes of rain. You got, you know, rain that sounds like you know on a fall on a fall fall day as compared to. Uh, the next tape next was like, well, it's a fall night. It's completely different. So there's a bunch of, you know, sounds. And uh, it's not the same sound. So it's like... No two are the same. Yes. To the point where it's like, 
uh, it's not just like, oh, anybody can put, you know, like if you're doing a little cartoon or something and uh, you put rain sound effects. It's not, that's not enough that you have one one sound track of rain that everybody's going to hear. Oh, it's the same same track. No, you got to be completely different. Mm-hmm. And they and they sh- and I really like that they uh, showed that. Um, yeah. That that whole that that whole segment. Yeah. No, not only that too, but they also broke it up into many different other si- sub segments as well. It's like, you know, you have the what makes like you know what does everything start with in animation, concept art. From concept art, where do you go to? Okay, animation. Okay, then you have to deal from animation. Okay, lack of fundings. They show you how the money system works. You know, and then from there, sound. You know, equipment costs, studio runs, how studios runs, a budget, everything like that. You promotions. Know, ma- promotions, management, how things are running, everything like that. You know, it. It's really great. It's wonderful. It's beautifully done. I don't think there's like an anime like it that came out this year, and I honestly think it should have been. It, it should be anime of the year. You know, there's always that one anime that 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 will stand out, and this one really did stand out. You know, and um, if you do like it, there was a a little there was a live action OVA. And there was a TV series, and then there was a, f- a live action film. And also, too, if you actually do love all that, the ma- there's a manga series based off of it, and it's still in print. It's still running. It hasn't ended yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, look into that. It's really good. I highly recommend you to, for that. Cinema. Um, what can I say about cinema? But the positives, well, well, the positives is like everyone the, is staying home, but they still want to see, you know, movies that are postponed. Yeah. So what's the next best thing? Well, you got to thank Universal and Trolls for that because Universal Studios took the initiative, which none of the other studios didn't want to do, but they ended up copying this trend, which might hopefully might be a permanent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the release of premium video on demand or pvod and theatrical releases they did it with trolls uh world tour it didn't do so good in the box office it did phenomenal on pvod oh yeah and just that one weekend it made more money than the other and they made sure to have it um i'm trying to remember affordable yes affordable and reasonable um not only that but um, even though a lot of the theaters and a lot of other studios were mad for them to actually do it, I love that Universal stuck to their guns and their gut feeling and just like, whatever. We're going to do it anyway. Die, I don't care. They did it and look what happened. The world's still turning. They made a lot of money. And then all of and then all of a sudden you have Fox, you have Warner Brothers, you have all these other studios looking and just like, you know, hey, they made a lot of money this way. Huh, I wonder if we should do the same thing too. Now everyone's doing it. Now everybody's doing it and being hypocrites about it. So, uh, but still, kudos to Universal for actually sticking to their guns on that and just doing it. Um, not only that too, but um, Oscars, very interesting this year. Um, Heath Ledger, uh, not Heath Ledger, um, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, won Best Actor for the very first time in his career. 
He was nominated four times. He won it this time finally with Joker. Beautiful um, speech that he did. And um, Parasite became the first internet became the first international film to win best international film and best picture ever mhm broke the standards and, of, and uh, not it not, not just broke the standards but it also just opened up the floodgates now to like okay here here's something for the average uh, person to watch what is it international films foreign films they're actually really good you know don't believe me all right uh, Netflix, they had Roma. Roma could have done it, but they but but the Oscars were too afraid to do it. And it t- and Parasite had to do it. Yeah, Parasite had to do it because it was the best movie. It deserved it. You know, it really was that good. You know, uh, don't get me wrong. The Irishman was good. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood was. Eh, I'll, I'll be honest. I was disappointed in that one. Mm. Um. You know, but there was no any other better film that deserved it, and Parasite did. It was great. Now it opened up the floodgates to the rest of the world. You know, like, hey, you want to see some really good melodrama or something like that? Go look out in Europe. Go look out in Asia. Oh yeah. Or Central America, or South America, or Africa. You know, or in Oceania. You want to see something funny? That's like, like. Like crazy dark humor, weird. Hey, there's this one show in Denmark about about burning wood. Sounds stupid, but then once you watch it, you're like, my God, it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, and it doesn't kill to read the subtitles, and and also it, it you know being well, of course, being forced, quote unquote, to read the subtitles. Um, it's I'd say do it, read them. And yeah. so, and hopefully you know if the subtitle people they put in a little bit more like you know a little cultural context you know like you know jumping the fish like what's jumping the fish in Finland for example I mean, I'm just making it up yeah you know they might have a thing that talks about what jumping the fish is then you get the concept of what the joke is going on it it'll make perfect sense right yeah. it makes it makes you learn yeah the same thing can said too for um stimulates the mind. Yeah, no, same thing goes too for television. Some of the best television that came out this year um, was foreign. You know, like, uh, let, let's, let, look, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Asia is the new mecca for horror. <laughs> it is. Don't believe me? Go watch, uh, go, go watch Kingdom. Yeah. Then you come back and tell me, okay, you're right. But not only that, but if you want great crime dramas and stuff like that, Europe has really good ones. South America has been has been banging those up like for years. Always been having great great crime dramas and, and crazy comedies. Same thing with Asia, same thing with Europe. Now though, because of because of Parasite, they're no longer going to be confined in their respective areas. Exactly. Which is a good and a bad thing. But nevertheless, the floodgates are open. The forbidden gates are open, and now is a good time. If you want to see something new, different, out of your comfort zone, and you actually have to put some effort into learning it, now is a good time to jump into foreign, the foreign television and films. Yeah, I mean, you know, check out you know, uh, 
Well, I mean, we did reviews for these, but but um, you know, that's only because you know we were fans of you know foreign cinema and stuff like that yeah. and t- television. You know, like bad guys. Yeah, and it made me question how uh, how you know your your you know, your respective country's justice system works, and like, wow, this could actually happen. There's that. Then there's the one I recently did, you know, weeks back, I think, with Barbarin. Yeah, you know, in you know, yes, it's in classical Latin, and yes, it's in German, but it's the perfect. Languages for the perfect time period of what was going on, and the language itself helps drive the story forward. Right, you know, or like if you want to, like if they, like um, I, I hate to say this, but like if you're into one of those types of like you know, uh, want to know about drug cartels and stuff like that, you know, you have Narcos from Netflix, which is pretty good. But if you want to see a really good one, go see the ones that are coming out in Colombia, down in South America. The one that they did with Pablo Escobar. That was the definitive one. What, the telenovela one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was... That was, that was well, it wasn't on Netflix. It was on TV, and yeah. we saw it on TV. Yeah, but, to, but I'm saying, that was so true and to the point that they literally, every episode, this was all based off of facts. None of this was made up. Especially when certain um, deaths and real, certain real life deaths and, and events that were going on, yeah, they included real life uh, footage. Yeah, f- footages and like reprints of the newspapers that happened back then to give the authenticity. Now it's no longer confined to. Uh, in this case, it was what I think they showed it on Telemundo. It yeah. was not confined to Telemundo. Now it's on Netflix, and you know there's accessibility for everyone. Yeah. Or what about the, some of the drug cartels in uh, uh, Asia? Like like this one movie I saw that I did a review a few months back, was it? Made in Korea? Yeah. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And after seeing how made, you know, made in Korea you know, has a different meaning, it's like, whoa, whoa. man. Right. Especially, you know, in, the, in this time period that it was set. You know, like, uh, I didn't know you can have speakers that big. There was a scene where, you know... You know the drug guy. You know he made it, and he had you know since you know, the time of the, the the record player, he had speakers the the, the size of. Uh, I mean, what's a good comparison? Uh, they were pretty. They were they were pretty damn huge. Right. So Connected to a little thing, but the speakers were like, and fine and intricate and stuff like. He can he can he can buy stuff like that. And he's just like, <laughs> but I didn't know. You know, he made an empire, and he was just this guy was like, what did he start off as? I think it was like trying to you know uh, support his family. Right. It just came from that, and all of a sudden, made in Korea, and you know how that story de- developed. And like now, I get to see stuff like that. Yeah, you'd be very surprised. And then move- and it was based on real life. Yeah. See, and then and then moving on from that. Okay cartoons you know yeah we lost a lot of good shows this year you know mike tyson's murder mysteries adventure brothers bojack horseman you know but we actually had a lot of great series that came out of nowhere um harley quinn came out of nowhere uh for for hbo max now you know now the defunct dc universe um you know we had that primal oh yeah one of the best minimalist and adult animated shows out there. You don't need a you don't need a script. You, well, you need a script. You don't need but you words. You don't need dialogue. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. It's all visual, beautifully, beautifully done. 
You know, you have hell of a boss, which is funny. I'm still waiting for the second episode, but I can wait because it's funny as hell. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, not only that, with the announcements of Tuca and Birdie, season two coming out next year, yeah, Beavis yeah. and Butthead's coming back. <laughs> um, oh, I can't wait to, especially their like little uh, teaser uh, intro, I guess. Yeah. Which, which, yeah. So it was like you know, there's a huge rise right now. Um, Blood of Zeus, Blood of Zeus, really great stuff. And, and what's surprising of that one was, is by the same studio that did Castlevania, and I hate Castlevania. I really hate Castlevania. Blood of Zeus is what Castlevania should have been. Beaut- great drawings, beautifully done. A, a script that's actually worth being invested in, ca- compelling characters that really capture and demand your attention to them, you know, and nothing stupid in between. Point A to point B. Maybe a little, 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 little breadcrumbs of intrigue now and then to keep you invested. Blood of Zeus was that good of a show. You know, and then people are saying, oh, but we need a new BoJack Horseman. I think we don't. BoJack. Okay, let's like this. BoJack Horseman had a great run. It showed where adult animation should be going. It, it left a huge void. Yes, it did. BoJack was even better than most live action shows. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we need adult animation needs to head to that same route as BoJack. You know, these shows that we mentioned, they were great for what they were. They just took that spirit of BoJack and be like, okay, we're gonna take what you left off, man. But we're gonna, but we're gonna carry on as our own. You know, we'll carry that banner for you, but, but your turn is already, you know, done. Yeah. Yeah, so that's great. All right, then, folks, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick little break, but then when we come back, we're going to talk about music right after this. And we're back. Okay, so now we're just going to be talking about music. And 2020 showed that you don't necessarily need to listen to the mainstream. A lot of creative music came out from from the underground, from subcultures, the sub subcategories and subcultures of certain genres and stuff like that. Um, and most importantly, too, a lot of the content is out there. You just need to put a little bit of effort into looking into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there were some people on the mainstream that generated all this buzz and everything like that of, you know, the music, the style, what they were trying to get across and everything like that. But if you wanted to wanted to hear something different or you wanted to experience something different or you just wanted to, you know, what piques your interest and in just like, hey, you know what, I want to look to something completely different out of my comfort zone of music and see what's out there. Yeah, the underground scene, like the underground scene, the subculture scene, the independent scene, you know, of of music out there was just perfect this year. Was was phenomenal, uh, you know. Um 
like city pop is making a comeback and many of you don't know you don't even know what city pop is yeah you know um a lot of bands right now in the indie scenes and stuff like that is just taking what the 90s gave us and just added a little of a modern touch to it which is great you know, you have the electronica scene, the, the the electronica scene doing really great experimental things. You're, um, you know, you, you have with like, okay, good example, Cyberpunk 2077, people are finally understanding what synth wave is, what synth pop is. And, and even with the soundtrack itself. There's, there have, they went, uh, for that game alone, I heard that they went outside of the normal music, um, genres and just decided to get a little bit of things from here and there that's outside of the mainstream music so people can experience this, you know? And then also on top of that too, you know, from, from all that, a lot of the international scene too is getting a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. music attention yeah you know what the height of k-pop and k you know k-pop and and and, and j-pop you know a lot of subgenres of those have been getting attention as well like earlier this year lucy 2 yeah like yeah see like lucy 2 or um a lot of the uh music scene in japan a lot of the subcultures of japan people are starting to notice little by little yeah, like um, I noticed all that's what two, three, two about two, three years ago because of that rock festival, Fuji Rock Festival. Yeah, you know, down in South America, you know, down in Central and South America, a lot of experimentation is going on in music. No one doesn't even know about it. No one's not even paying attention about it. Out in Europe, yeah, out in Europe, yeah, we're house and everything like that, and techno is is is, is, is you know reign supreme, but there's a big culture underneath that as well that is coming out and doing grand things out there wonderful things out there with music you know and like i said before in toronto like in canada you know the music scene up there it's it's going it's going no one here is not paying attention to it maybe you know, the few states that are close around that area maybe have a great idea of what's happening over there musically, but not the rest of the United States. Yeah. You know, and the, we were just thankful to, uh, um, you know, catch on to it catch before. Catch on and curiosity peaks like, well, what is this? You know, you know, do they have any more? And like, whoa, well, what are these other, you know, artists and people and stuff like that? You know, let's go see more. Let's go hear more. You know, this is totally not like what we're doing here, and it's not mainstream, and blah, 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 and, like, I want more. Mm-hmm. And not just in, you know, like, Canada, but, you know, around the world, because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people that can, that can be just as or better than the mainstream. All they need is, you know, the, you know, to somehow break out even if it's just a small little thing it will gradually go up huge yeah but but you know without you know leaving their their comfort zone yeah not only that too but also a lot of music that people tend to forget 
or genres that people tend to forget are slowly coming back up. You know, like for example, this year was the 40th anniversary of Joy Division. A lot of people forgot about that. Yeah. You know, and also the 30th anniversary of In Excess, it's their debut album, mm-hmm. which people forgot about them. Well, they well no. they didn't forget. They didn't get any access to that album until two, three years later when they got popular outside of Australia. Yeah, it was a hit in Australia. Well, I guess it was a relative hit in Australia. But so, but once you know they got big with uh, what their third or fourth studio album, that's when they brought the rest of their catalog over. It was like two, maybe three albums. Yeah. But still, they're not you know. Mm-hmm. As big as what? Kick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, not, not only that, but also, you know, even a lot of these famous rock, like mainstream artists that been in the business for so long, a, a lot of mainstream music tend to forget about them. Motorhead, their Ace of Spades album. You know, only like the heavy metal scene, the rock scene, that type of, that, that genre of rock scene remembered it, but not the rest. You know, uh, a couple of Prince's albums made some, de- um, you know, celebrated some stuff, you know, and even a lot of forgotten artists, you know, that people tend to forget who they were or why they were so important, had some monumental um, anniversaries or birthdays and stuff like that this year. Heavy Metal turned, uh, earlier this year, uh, turned uh, 50. Yeah. Black Sabbath. Yeah. And and the mainstream is just like, you know, oh, yeah, uh, happy birthday, Black Sabbath, just because they know only their popular songs. Oh, from Paranoid, from the, their second album, from the, Paranoid. Yeah. But they're not talking about their first the album. album. Right. They're only talking about the hits. They're not talking about, you know, the album, as the, a whole. the album, you know, the first album as a whole. Um, not only that, too, but also um, game music has right now been been celebrating a lot of great things as well, because you see the involvement, uh, the the evolution of gaming as well. Certain games and certain franchises celebrated anniversaries this year as well. And you can tell by their music how much they evolved. You know, and um, example, uh, one of the games this year that took everybody off, that, that surprised everybody and that surprised the hell out of me was um, Genshin Impact. Great game. Looks beautiful. You know, you could play it on consoles, you could play it on your smartphone, but the thing that really that that I think that that game did wonderful was the music. Beautiful. The game was the music in that game was beautiful. Very beautiful. And it shows how far music and gaming evolved. Yeah. You know, it went from chip tunes that it went from simple chip tunes to beat blop bloop to like grand orchestrate, you know, hits, notes of music that can even rival some of the best Broadway shows. Mm. If not, we're, are better. 
Well, we have yet to have the video game version of the instrumental A Summer Place. Yeah, it's, but it's there. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. You know, and not only that, but like, music is whole. It's evolving, but not in the way that I think many are expecting it to evolve. Like, let's just face it. Okay, the mainstream is just a placeholder. Now. No. It, it, now, yes. Okay, yeah. I, I would say no. Let me, let, let me take that back. It's been a placeholder since the early to mid-2000s. Slowly, everything is sounding the same. Mm-hmm. To the point where, okay, if one artist sounds like this, I want to be surprised if there's like 10, 15 other artists that sounds just like it. Maybe a little tweaks here and there to make it sound different, but nevertheless, it's the same. And they're the ones winning the, what, the Billboard Music Awards, the Grammys, and MTV. Yeah. They're not experimenting. They're not being there. You know, they go with the old, well, if it isn't broken, why fix it? Oh, to get uh, get along, to, to move along? Yeah. Well, no, music terms of, like, you know, you know, why... why you know, if my music sounds really good, why do I need to change it up? I can make something else. I can make another album sounding like this. Just add a little tweaks here and there, and you know, I can still be making, you know, still be making hits, chart, you know, chart toppers and stuff like that. That's what I think mainstream music is. I could be wrong, and I bet people can tell me, "Oh, it's, I'm wrong." Though they're like, "Okay, if if you think I'm wrong and you have proof, okay." And I'll admit, I'll be wrong. But I honestly think that music, where all of its experimentation, where all of its risk and rewards, where all of that genuine emotion and stuff like that, that is coming from the underground scene, the hidden gem scene, the subculture scene, the mainstream music. That's where all that's coming from. That's where all. That's where I think people should start heading towards music. If you're tired of listening to what's on the radio, that's brand new. You know, turn off the radio. Go look for what's out there. You'd be surprised. There's so much out there, and you may never know. You might find a new brand, a new genre of music, and fall in love with it. And you won't even know. And you'll be like, okay, where's this been all my life? Well, I'm not at that point yet. Um, you know, because we're still seeing these, you know, these other um, bands and stuff coming out with their stuff with experimentation. So hopefully we'll see a whole lot of more of that for next year. I think there is going to be more. And I think there's going to be an explosion of it. But it's going to take time. You know... Because of you know, because of what we're going on, what the world's going on right now, yeah, you know, yeah. it's going to take a little while. But once all that is happened, once all that, when when the dust is clear, you know, that's when I think um, a lot of it's going to be like, okay, you know what? All right, this caught my attention, and I want more. Well, I'm already curious just to hear more more about about it. You know, like uh, um, what's the most recent one we saw? Charlatan. 
Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Joy Division. I think that's like, what, maybe in my entire life? Maybe the only band so far that reminds me of Joy Division besides um, Blue Oyster? No, Blue Monday? You, you mean New Order? New Order, yeah. New yeah, Order. New Order yeah, Blue yeah. Monday is a song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Besides New Order? Yeah, outside of New Order, if I don't count New Order, yeah, they're like the only band that reminds me a lot of, 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 of Joy Division. Yeah. Except that there's welcome competition. There could be more more bands out there that have their own tweaks or bit, or, or more experimentations and stuff, and stuff like that. Yeah. Or, or you know, they'll experiment and instead of them sounding like Joy Division, they could sound like early Pink Floyd. Yeah, because in that Charlatan um, album um, mm-hmm. party video on YouTube, the live stream, uh, I, I mentioned that uh, there was one song, I forgot it, I think it was like the third or fourth song, and it had uh, a segment, and it sounded just like you know what they were doing in um, Echoes from Pink Floyd's Metal, the mm-hmm. part where it's all like, it was like, oh, nice, right. except they're not really, you know, using you know a guitar with the, but still it was like nice, like yes, right. Now that is genuinely something you don't hear uh, every day, right, right. Well, not since what? When did that out? Big Floyd came out. Seventy three. Mm-hmm. No, seventy one. Seventy one. Right. Since nineteen seventy one. So yeah. So it's going to be great. It's going to be interesting. All right. So that'll do it there, folks. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to us. Next week we're just going to have um, short, sweet, simple podcast. Just us, just telling you what we personally think of twenty twenty in a nutshell. You know, and possible plans for the future. And, you know, let you guys know what we're going to be doing next year as well. So until then, I am Captain Katz. And we are Katz. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have a great, great rest of your day, a great week. Enjoy yourselves. And look, put on your masks. Keep your physical and social distancing. You know, be kind to one another. And let's try to, let's try to nip this one in the butt. All right. Let's try to work as a team here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Until then, take care. Yo-ho.